So often we can reduce prayer to a task or a kind of a transaction that we make with God where we say, God, I've been pretty good, so give me this or do this for me. When prayer is supposed to be an expression of our love for God, prayer is supposed to be the most natural part of a love relationship. You know, you just want to be in conversation. You just want to speak to the one that you love. And I've got to ask you, is prayer about that for you? Are you just so in love with this God that you just can't help but talk to him all the time? You know, we designated the month of February as a time when we would kind of share with you the vision for the church for 2007. I know we're kind of a little late, you know, we should do it in January. But we designated February saying we want to pray through some things, think through some things, and then share with you the vision for the church But I want to be very uh, extremely cautious when we talk about the vision for the church because um, it's kind of expected nowadays in an American church for a pastor to come up and give you a vision or a plan for the year and then maybe even come up and explain to you the five-year plan for Cornerstone and then the 10-year plan for Cornerstone of here's what we're going to do, here's what we want to achieve, so let's have a prayer meeting so that we can achieve these things. And um, I've been told many times that it's foolish not to have a five or ten year plan. Uh, People have told me you're going to kill the church unless you have a five or ten year plan. And they'll quote Proverbs 29, 18, where it says, without vision, the people will perish. Right? So you got to have vision. You got to have a plan. You got to. But but I want to take you to that verse because you guys, that is one of the most misquoted verses in the world. Um, Turn to Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, and let's let's see what it really says. Proverbs twenty nine eighteen. Because we've all heard that verse, right? If you've been in church for, for years, you've heard that verse, without vision, the people will perish. So pastor, you better come up with a vision for the church. Otherwise, they're just going to die, right? You've got to have vision. You've got to have plans. You've got to focus on what's ahead. Proverbs twenty nine eighteen. I know you're going, what? That can't be the verse. That is the verse. Someone read it for me. That's the verse. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. What's he talking about? He's talking about where there's... I mean, he's contrasting people who cast off restraint, people who don't listen to the law, people who practice lawlessness with the people who actually get the revelation or get the revelation from God. He says, blessed is he who keeps the law. What is that passage talking about? What is the vision that he's talking about? He's talking about the vision or the revelation of God's word, God's commands. He says, if there's not someone presenting to you God's commands or God's revelation, you're just going to live however you want to live. You're going to disobey his laws. But where there is revelation, then people are blessed because they keep the law of God. 
Now, the, the, the King James Version says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But then it continues by saying, but blessed is he who keeps the law. Explaining again that if you read that verse in context, it's really not talking about vision the way we picture vision nowadays of, you know, this five-year plan of what we're going to do and all of these goals. Vision is referring to a vision from God or a revelation from God that, that leads you to obedience. And obedience of his law and where that's not taught that people are just going to cast off restraint they're just going to do whatever they want and they're not going to be blessed for it okay so understand that this whole idea of we need to have this vision for the future i don't believe is a biblical one see i'm just not convinced that pursuing a vision is the most biblical way to do church what do they do in the book of acts Remember in the book of Acts, after Jesus ascended back into heaven, they all went into the upper room, right? The disciples got in the upper room. Remember what they did? They had a planning meeting. And they strategized, right? They got together. They got all the brilliant minds together and go, man, if we did this, 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 and this, I bet you the church would grow. And then Peter, you know, came out on the day of Pentecost and gave his 10-year plan. No, that's not what happened. What did they do? They just sat in that upper room and they waited and they prayed. It says they were constantly in prayer. They prayed, they prayed, they prayed. They had no idea what was going to happen. They just prayed because God told them to. And so for 10 days straight, they just prayed and prayed and prayed. And then we all know what happened after that. Then we know what happens in Acts chapter 2. It's like suddenly the churches came alive. The church was birthed. But it was with all these unexpected things. Nothing that the the disciples could have planned for or prepared for. They had no clue what was going to happen. I mean, that's when all the disciples, all of a sudden, they they walk outside. You know, God's Spirit just falls upon them. They all start speaking different languages. You know, one guy's opening his mouth. He goes, hola, como estas? It's like, whoa, what's going on? You know, another guy going, you know, there's just, it's just suddenly they're all tied, you know, and then there's these, these foreigners from all these other countries going, man, I understand that guy. There's a Jewish guy speaking my language and all these people start following Jesus because they're going, what in the world is going on here? And then thousands of people in one day, in one day, 3,000 people just go down and say, man, I want some of that. I want, I need to get baptized. It was a result of prayer. They prayed and crazy things happened. And I, I just, I, I, I so want to do church that way. Um, see, I believe, and maybe this is just my arrogance, I believe I could come up with a business plan that would uh, cause some increase in the church, cause some growth to take place, cause us to prosper somewhat and come up with a pretty good plan. Same way as if I were to open a restaurant or if I, you know, start a clothing line or whatever else. I'd come up with some sort of business plan that I I think would probably work and I could probably apply it to the church and we'd probably see some growth and say, oh, Cornerstone's a good, healthy church. But honestly, don't, don't you come to church to get away from that? I mean, honestly, don't you come here to say, I I don't want to see a plan that makes sense. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'd love to just come and experience something supernatural. I mean, isn't that why you're here? Isn't it because you're, you're bored of things that make sense and the natural order of things? And you go, you know, I want to see the supernatural. 
I want God to just come into my life and just turn everything around. I want things to happen that no one can explain. I want to be part of a movement that is just clearly of God. See, that's what I want to be a part of. And, and it doesn't happen through, you know, just getting the most brilliant minds together and coming up with a plan. It happens through prayer. It happens through a ton of prayer where we just come before God and say, God, look, I don't know what's best for this church. All I know is I want to see you. You know, I want to experience you. I, I want, you know, we're saying I'm hungry for more of you. You know, I, I, I've seen what I can do. I know how I can manipulate things and make certain things happen here or there. But that's just, that, that's not what I want in life. I want to experience you. And you guys, clearly that's, that's through prayer. In Acts chapter 2, I, I want you to just look at that. Acts chapter 2. Look at, we'll start reading in verse 42. I just want to explain and, and, and get a feel for what that early church was like. And I've shared these verses before. Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. It says this. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. I ask you something. Do you literally want to be a part of a movement like that? You sure? I mean, I mean, think this through. I mean, do you, would you want to be a part of, of something like that, that first church? I mean, because think about it. What it says was that they would gather together daily at the temple. You really want to be a part of that? Where you're, you're, you're at the church every day, gathering with the other believers. I mean, it talks about how they, they opened up their homes to one another and they would have meals together. I mean, you really want other people in your house, you know, breaking bread, having communion with you, biting into your family time? You sure you want that? It says they were selling their possessions as everyone has need. Has anyone had need? Do you want to be a part of that? You seriously would, would want to be a person that says, okay, I don't own anything anymore. What's mine is yours. If someone's in need, hey, I'll sell one of my cars. You know, we'll, we'll just have one car. You don't have any, I'll sell. You really want to be a part of that where you would let go of your own possessions, everything you've worked so hard for to say, you know what, someone else is in need. I'm going to give to them. And as I bring up, you know, things around the world and go, man, here's some brothers in need over here, brothers in need over here. And you just, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. You know, I can sell my house. I'll just rent for a while. I'll just do it. You really want to be a part of that. I mean, think this through. You want to be a part of a movement like that? Where you're that intimate with so many people that even your stuff isn't your stuff anymore? Now, some of you who don't make a lot, you go, oh, yeah, I want to be a part of that. And, you know, but what about the others? You know, it's, it's just one of those things, man. Are you that type that you go, you know what? I just want to, I want to feel that sense of awe. I want to be part of this movement, you know, where everyone just goes, 
man, this is nuts. This is crazy. Everyone's so giving and I just want to give everything I have to these people. I want to love these people. I want them in my house. I want to meet with them daily. I just want to see more and more people fall in love with this God that I love. I mean, when you read about that early church, they were absolutely consumed with God. Do you want to be a part of that? And if so, you know, it starts with prayer. Man, I I read that and I go, you know what? I'm kind of bored with American church, you know? I I just, I I want it all. I, I want everything the Bible has to offer. I want everything that the Holy Spirit has to offer. Everything the church was meant to be. I want to be a part of something like that. And and, and yet, when you look at the, the book, you go, well, it started with a ton of prayer for a movement of God like that, uh, like that video said, you know, history is silent. Or what did it say? Silent about a revivals that uh, didn't start with, whatever. You, you guys read it. You know what I'm talking about. That was a good quote, whatever it was. And um, it, it, it just... Anything great starts with prayer, where you come before God, not telling him what to do, not saying, God, here's a plan. I want you to do this, but really just come before God and say, God, I don't know what your plan is. I just want you, whatever will bring you most glory. I'm asking you to do that. I'm begging you to do that. Is that what you want? Are you completely surrendered where you say, okay, God, whatever that is, then. I just, I just want it to be of you because I'm tired of me. I'm tired of what I can produce. I'm tired of what people can produce. I've got to have something supernatural in my life. It starts with prayer. When, when, uh, when, you, when, you've got, uh, when something great happens to you, okay, or something completely tragic happens to you, Jamie, when something crazy happens to you during a day who's the first person you call your wife good good answer okay yeah yeah, you know i mean if something tragic it's like man i i gotta talk to terry right you know i mean for you i don't call her but you know it's like i gotta talk to terry i got you know something great happens i want to talk why because why, why why do you call her she's You want her to share in all your experience. Why? You love her. Good job. Good answer. <laughs> in, in James chapter 5, um, the whole point of prayer here, as, as I can see it, is this idea of when you're in love, who's the, you know, whenever there's good news, there's bad news, the first person you want to tell is the person you're in love with. You're crazy about him. And really in prayer, that's what it's about. I, that's why in James chapter 5, as we finish up the J- book of James, it says, is any one of you in trouble? Verse 13, he should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Anyone sick? Have him call on the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. You see, James just goes, are you in trouble? You're having a tough week? You know who you should talk to first? Him. Pray. Why? Because you're in love with him. Man, so if you're going through a hard time, it's been a difficult week, man, a difficult day, difficult event, tell the one you love. Then he goes, are you happy? 
you, you just pumped up, something great happened. What should you do? Sing songs of praise. Praise God for it. He's the one that did it. Tell the one you love. You sick? Are you sick? Are you so sick that you, you can't even move? Well, get the elders of the church over to your house. Have them pray over you. Talk to the one who can actually do something about it. It's this idea of this relationship of how God should not be our last resort, but our first, you know, when there's good news, man, we should be so in love. It's like, man, I just want to tell him. I want to thank him. He gave it to me. When it's difficult times, I got to tell him first before I try to figure it out because he's in charge and just throw it out to him. And he says, and when you're sick, call for the elders of the church. It doesn't say the elders should be wandering around looking for sick people. It says when you are sick, when you're weak, it's this word of, of, of you're so weak, you're just drained. It, it can refer to spiritually. It can talk about other areas. But, but primarily here it's talking about the physical. That you take a step of faith and call the elders. Hey, can I get the elders over here to pray for me? Anoint me with oil. And, and, and the oil, and the reason why you, first of all, the reason why you call for the elders of the church is it says, uh, verse 15, that the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. So when you call for the elders of the church, hopefully the elders of the church are righteous men. You know, the Bible says the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Get the righteous man over there praying for you. But, you know, anointing you with oil. Now, now it's true in, in that time there was oil that was used for medicinal purposes. But I don't believe he's referring to that here because I, I believe it's more of a symbolic nature because it's not saying that the, the, the oil was going to heal the person. That the oil was the medicine that would heal the person or make the person well because he makes it clear that it's a prayer offered in faith that makes the the, the sick person well. And it's the Lord that raises him up, not the medicine. Because some have said, well, he's just talking about taking some medicine and the medicine will make you better. So have some prayer, take some medicine. You know, it's, it's not about that. The oil was symbolic because this is not about medicine here it's talking about prayer and about how the prayer will raise him up will heal him and how how god will raise him up but he says an interesting thing he says if he has sinned he will be forgiven therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed now i want to point out a couple of things about this passage that i think are very important First of all, there's a very popular doctrine in the world that says Christians should never get sick. Um, and uh, all sickness is a result of sin. And if you're sick right now, it means you're, you're sinning against God or you're lacking faith because as believers, we should always be healed. Um, now, I don't, I don't believe that. And I don't believe that because of some clues I have in Scripture. Um, in 2 Timothy 4.20 it says, Erastus stayed in Corinth, and I left Trophimus sick in Miletus. Paul talks about how he left this saint, this man of God, Trophimus, and he left him sick in Miletus. Why would he do that? If he had the power to heal him, if he could heal him, why didn't he heal him? If all believers should be healed, why wasn't he healed? 
Paul tells Timothy, Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 5.23, he says, stop drinking only water. Use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. He says, Timothy, you, you know, you, you're getting sick all the time. You, you need some of this wine. You know, don't just drink water. You know, have some wine. It'll help with these stomach problems you're getting. And you, maybe you won't get sick as much. Why did Paul say that? Why didn't he just say, well, you, you, your lack of faith? You should have been healed. In, uh, in uh, Philippians chapter 2, there's a, uh, he talks about this guy named uh, Epaphroditus. And uh, in Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 25, he says this, I think it is necessary to, t- to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is your messenger whom, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him. And not on him only, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. He goes, man, here's Epaphroditus, man. He was so sick, he almost died. He goes, oh, but God had mercy. God had mercy because he knew, man, I just couldn't take that right then if Epaphroditus died also. And so, yeah, you know, God, God healed this guy. But again, it's Paul going, man, thank you, Lord, for having mercy. He didn't say, you know what? Of course he was going to be healed. We all get healed. You're not supposed to be sick if you're a believer. You've got a lack of faith. Paul himself, in Galatians chapter 4, Galatians chapter 4, verse uh, 13, he says, As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. Even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Jesus Christ himself. Paul tells the Galatians, he goes, you guys remember when I came to you? Man, I was just like, I was like so sick. But you guys didn't judge me. You didn't, you know, you weren't bugged by me. You, you treated me like an angel of God. This is the Apostle Paul who's talking about his own illness. Okay, so, so understand that here, we understand in, in, uh, in Scripture that people aren't always healed. And, and that's a very dangerous doctrine because you've got these people who really do love the Lord and really do have faith in God. And then you have other people coming along and going, man, if you're sick, it's because there's sin in your life. And that's not always true. We see some great men of God, you know, that, that were sick. And, um, but I will say this. Sometimes it is because of sin in your life. I mean, that's why Paul, I'm sorry, James here is talking about, hey, you need to confess your sins to one another. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you can be healed. The the Bible is, is very clear that there are times when God disciplines those that he loves. That doesn't mean that every time you're sick, it's disciplined from God because we saw what happened with Job. It was a test. You know, when some of Job's friends were accusing him and saying, oh, you know what, you must have done something wrong. And so God's doing this to you. So just confess your sin. Everything will be fine. That's not always the case. But it is sometimes. And I don't know about you, but whenever I get sick, first thing I do is start confessing. And, and I, I do. I just look at my life. I go, why is this? Why is this? You know, could it be? Could it be even this afternoon? 
you know, I've had this shoulder problem for like, like almost three months now to where I can't surf, I can't golf, I can't do anything. And I just, just finally this afternoon, I go, wait a second, Lord. You know, maybe when I'm healthy, I, I play too much. Is, is that it? Is it because I'm always thinking about playing? You know, is, is, is this, uh, and I don't know, but I'm just going to confess it because I want my shoulder to get better. You know, it's just this whole idea so I can go play again. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. You, you know, but it was, it was just this time of confessing. You know what, God, why do I want it to get better? You know, is it all selfish? And is it, you know, is it some issues in my life? And you know what, that's the first thing we need to do is to confess and go, God, maybe it's this, maybe it's that, maybe it's not. Maybe it's just a test. Maybe you just want to slow me down for a little while. You know, but thank God, whatever it is, whatever will bring you the most glory, you know, it's good with me. Um, and, and so during those times, I, I think it's important that we not only pray for healing, but we also pray for an ability to turn from any, any sins that may be in our lives. A time of repentance. But he says, you know what? Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another so that you can be healed. Do you guys pray for each other? Do you pray for a lot of people? See, I, 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 uh, I have great intentions for praying for a lot of people, and then I forget. And there's a guy in our church who came up with this program that, is, that has helped me so much. It, if you're on the computer a lot, it's called echoprayer.com. He put together this website called echoprayer.com. So echoprayer. And, and the whole idea, I don't know if we can get it up on the screen, but the whole idea, if you log on to uh, echoprayer.com, what happens is uh, it's, it's free, completely free. It helps you to pray. It reminds you to pray. Going to go to the next thing. What you do is, uh, is you have a prayer list. Like you'll type in like someone you need to pray for. You know, and like, like let's say I'm, I'm going to pray for Terry that he starts speaking English better. Um, <laughs> And, uh, no, I, I love your accent. That was great. Um, <laughs> I just love listening to his voice. It makes announcements so much more entertaining. But, um, you know, but, but, you know, like a serious prayer request. You, you know, I want to pray for Terry as he leads our children's ministry. Great. You, you type it in. Then you go, okay, I want to pray for uh, uh, Chris and Julie, their marriage, whatever. I don't know if you guys are fine. I just trying to come up with something i'm praying for rochelle as she starts helping out children's ministry i'm praying for dave you know uh for his plumbing business is failing you whatever i i got all these things and uh i just gave you some free advertisement and so uh you know i put all these things in and what happens is then randomly a couple times during the day as i'm checking my emails on my email list if you go to the next one on your actual emails is, is suddenly you know this prayer request oh laura gobber i forgot i got to pray for her and so a few times during the day you get these these notices to pray for these people and i've been doing this for like a month now it is such a great program that i wanted to share it with you guys because I get blown away at how often I forget. It's like I had every intention. It's like, whoa, I forgot all about that person. And it pops up on my screen. And so if you're an email guy, I just thought I'd throw that out at you because it's helped me in this whole idea of praying for one another um, and praying for each other just to throw a bunch of names. You can put like a hundred prayer requests in there and then it just randomly selects them and throws them out every once in a while. You go, ah, I forgot to pray for this person. I forgot to pray for that person. Um, 
But that, that, that phrase, when it says the prayer of a righteous man is powerful. Do you believe your prayers are powerful? Let me ask you a better question. Have you experienced lately that your prayers are powerful and effective? Have you, have you been seeing like just crazy answers to prayer? A little over a month ago, my wife and I, we, were, uh, we wanted her to do this project, right? Um, I wanted her to record another CD, and, uh, but we wanted to do it different this time. It's like, let's do it top-notch, best quality, we pay for it. It's going to cost, I don't know, probably $17,000, $18,000. And, uh, and then once we pay for it and have all these CDs, we'll sell them, but anyone that wants to buy them will just write a check to like Children's Hunger Fund or World Impact. Okay, and so this way, I'm going this way, we're leveraging your gifts and we invest 18,000 and we'll probably make like 40,000 that'll go to these charities. And so instead of giving 18,000, we'll really be giving 40,000. And so let's, 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 you know, and so we got pretty excited, pretty pumped, like, man, this is what God wants us to do, you know. And so she was kind of compiling some songs, writing some songs, getting things together. And then uh, about a, a little over a month ago, she goes, honey, I, I think we need to just put this thing off. I'm like, why? She goes, you sure you want to do this? Um, she goes, we only got a few hundred bucks in the bank. I, oh, yeah. You know, I go, you know what? I said, you know what? I said, Lisa, this is something that God wants us to do. This is a project for God. We don't get anything out of this. This is for him. I believe it's something he wants us to do. So just get started and the money will come. Just get going and the money will come. And she's all, are you serious? I go, yeah, I'm serious. He always comes through. I go, okay, worst, worst, worst case scenario, I'll borrow $10,000 from some rich friend. Okay? <laughs> I, I, said, uh, I, said, I said, but I don't believe that's going to happen. I really believe the money will be there. Just get started. The next morning, I'm sitting in my office, and my assistant walks in. She goes, we got a weird phone call. Someone wants to give you $10,000. And they want to remain anonymous. They just want to give this $10,000 cashier's check. He's going, what? It was just so cool, you know? And who did I call? Jamie's wife. You know, I mean, who did I call? I... I I call my wife and I go, I go, honey, you're not going to believe this. Remember last night when I said, okay, worst case, I'll borrow $10,000. I go, guess what we just got? No one knows about this. No one knew about it. Just my wife and I the night before. The, The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. A few weeks ago, I was at a conference and my wife was with me, you know. And, and at this conference, you got to understand, these are like the, the, the who's who of the Christian singers, you know, worship leaders. And I'm speaking and, and uh, you know, and, and my wife's there just supporting me in prayer. You know, like she didn't even come and listen to my message. She says, you, you want me to be in there listening to your message? Or would you rather me just be somewhere else praying for you as you speak? I go, wow, that'd be awesome, honey, if you were just in another room and I just knew you were just bathing everything I said in prayer. And so she did that. She didn't hear the message. She didn't get to be a part of the whole deal. She just was over there praying. And uh, the next, you know, one of the mornings, you know, we're getting ready to, I'm getting ready for this session. And, and she's just praying on the way there. Unbeknownst to me, she's praying, you know, Lord, 
there's no answer to this. I'm just telling you, it'd be great if I could sing, you know. I just want to sing for you, you know. But these are all the greatest worship leaders in the world, and who am I? And uh, I'm just telling you how I feel. Um, the worship team gets ready to, to lead the worship set, and the female singer goes, I feel incredibly sick right now. Lisa, will you jump up there for me? I, I got to leave right now. Do you know these three songs? Oh, like, yeah. Can you get up there and sing? Sure. She gets up there and sings. No, no kidding. You know, and that leader leaves, comes back like 10 minutes later and goes, I'm perfect now. I don't feel anything, you know. And, and afterwards just tells Lisa, you know what? I am so sorry. I don't know what happened. I, I, just, I just lost it for like 10 minutes and I was fine midway through your worship set. And Lisa goes, I think I did that to you. I, you know, it's just... Even in the little things, you know, it's just, I mean, have you experienced lately that the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective? See, that's the way I like to live life. You know, where you go, man, I know God's listening. I know this is for him. I, I mean, this is something I believe came from him. It was his, he put the desire in our hearts. And, and so, you know, it's like, just start by faith and pray and Wow, the way things happen. And man, are you seeing that in your life? Man, I, I, I didn't, you know, I, I don't want to come up here and give you prayer requests from six years ago and go, ah, oh, six years ago, God did this in my life. Man, every week I want to come, I go, oh, you know what happened this week? You know what happened? You know, I just got back from Africa. You know, I just came back from Africa two days ago. And, uh, you know, I just remember my prayer requests as I was leaving and I shot off to people go, just have God surprise me. Pray that God would just surprise me. You know, I'm going out to do this pastor's conference and I kind of know the drill. Have God surprise me. I get off the airplane and the guy goes, oh, that conference you came out to speak at just got canceled. <laughs> cool. Okay. Prayers are answered. Now what do I do for two weeks? Let's go on a safari. You know, it just... It's just, you know, it's, it's just, I, I want to live every day and go, okay, God, what are you going to do today? What are you going to do? I just want you to surprise me. I just want you to amaze me. I mean, isn't that what you want? Don't you just get tired of, because you know what you can accomplish. You know that you and I can, you know, if we have some gifts, we can manipulate situations. We can make things happen. But then there's those other times when you go, okay, this is not coincidence. Okay, you don't just pray for one thing and get 10 grand the next morning. You don't pray for one thing and have a girl get sick for 10 minutes. You know, you don't, you just don't pray for these things. And it just coincidence after coincidence after coincidence, day after day after day. Man, it just can't be. It's to the point where after a while you go, you know what? It doesn't require faith to follow Jesus anymore. He just proves it to me every day that he's there. He's listening to me. And you just get closer and closer and closer. And then pretty soon it's like, who else do I want to talk to? Who else do I need to strategize with? Why don't I just get on my knees? I mean, what's more powerful? Let's say you're having marriage problems. Honestly, what do you think is more powerful for you to come in for counseling or for the two of you to get on your knees for an hour? Honestly, what do you think will help your marriage more? I mean, how much do we believe in this stuff? The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. I, I love... That, that next verse, verse 17, where he says, 
Elijah was a man just like us. Oh, I love that verse. Elijah. Remember the one that called down fire, you know, onto that, that altar there when all the prophets of Baal were dancing around, you know, trying to light this thing on fire. And Elijah just prays, and God, throw some fire on this thing. And then, bam, you know. First he tells all the other prophets, hey, why don't you soak it with water first? Just to rub it in. Just to show you how great my God is. And gets on his knees and goes, God, okay, show him who you are. And God just lights this thing on fire and just consumes the whole sacrifice. And then he goes, oh, we lift up Elijah. Wow, Elijah. What does James say? Elijah's just a man like you. What did you think Elijah was? Because we talk about guys like Moses. Woo, Moses. Big deal. He was a man just like me. Elijah was a man just like me. The Apostle Paul was a man just like me. Elijah was a man just like us. There's no difference. It's not about the person. We, it's not about reading all these great men in Scripture. This book is not about a bunch of great men. It's about a bunch of average people. People who were just like us. But they prayed. And they came before this God. And, and, and Elijah, when he prayed, he prayed earnestly that it wouldn't rain. And it did not rain on land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. He goes, man, in his prayers, he held off the rain for three and a half years. But the thrust of that passage is he was a man just like us. He was no different. Moses has nothing on me. He prays to the exact same God I pray to. Elijah has nothing on me. We've got to start thinking this. We've got to start believing this because that's what the Scriptures teach. It's just a matter of how much do you pray? How much do you come before this God? How much faith do you have in this God? See, I believe in this God. I've seen Him. Man, answer prayer over and over again from the big things to the little tiny things. It's like, you know what? I know this God hears me. I know He hears me when I pray. So the stupidest thing I can do is to forego prayer and just start in on my day and start making plans and everything else. And the stupidest thing we could do as a church is get the most brilliant minds together and come up with a strategy and create a vision for the church. But what we're going to do this week is we're going to have a week, this week, Monday through Friday, where we're going to open the church up at 5.30 in the morning. And we're just going to come for prayer at 5.30 in the morning, 5.30 to 6.30, Monday through Friday this week. I'm going to ask the church to fast this week. Um, by fasting, you know, I, I know, you know, in the past we've said, you know, just don't eat the whole week. And, and, uh, and some of you have done it. It's been awesome. This year I thought, you know, let's, let's do something a little different. Last, last week when I was in Africa, they, uh, Pastor Peter's church, they would fast every day. But what they would do is they would fast all day long. They wouldn't eat from the morning until evening. Then in the evening they would have a meal. And it's like, you know what, we could do that. Let's all do that. You know, so all morning when your stomach's growling, you know, and you're starving, the whole point is that's supposed to remind you to pray. You're supposed to pray to God and say, God, you know what? I want you more than I want a hamburger right now. You know? And, and that, those hunger pains to remind you all day long. Those hunger pains to remind you of how people are suffering all around the world because we're choosing to fast. They've got no choice. You know, and those hunger pains just to remind you of your love for God and say, God, I hunger for you more than I hunger for food right now. 
And if we as a church, really, I mean, could you imagine if we as a church really took this seriously and we showed up? You remember like I showed you that Korean church that showed up at four? You know, and just started worshiping and going crazy and everything else? Man, for us to come at 5.30 this week, Monday through Friday, 5.30, and just, just for this place to be packed to say, God, you know what? We're not even praying for a specific thing. We're not even praying for this plan that Francis laid out. We're praying just for you to just do something crazy, to just just do something amazing because we believe you will, that for you to reveal your will to the elders of the church, for you to lead this church and, and, and give it a, a direction of its own, a life of its own, for you to do amazing things like you did there in the book of Acts. Man, I'm, I'm begging you, please, would you come this week? 5.30 a.m., just be in here and let's just say, God, you know what? We're tired of what we can do. I just want to see something amazing. See, I, I look at it like this. Um, it's it's kind of like this plane. You know, you guys ever played with these before when you were little kids? You, you see, I, I could throw this. That's pretty cool. And, and some of you maybe could throw it a little bit further. And, and that's what I feel like a lot of times we do in church. And we go, ooh, that was cool. You know what? He kind of he pushed the church forward. You know, he used all his giftedness, all his talent. We pulled all the intelligent people, came up with a game plan. But it'd be so much better. I, I believe this is, this is like prayer. Someone comes and prays. Another guy comes and prays. Another guy comes and prays. And, you know, Monday morning we have a prayer at 5.30 and all of you guys come, give a little crank of the wheel, saying, okay, God, 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 we want you, God. You know, you know, all day you're fasting. Oh, I'm starving. Okay, God, that means pray, pray. God, do something in the church, you know. And then you pray, you pray, you pray, you pray. You know, Monday passes. Tuesday, you know, we come back, 5.30. You're praying, I'm praying, everyone's praying all through the day. Wednesday, we're praying, 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 praying all through the day. Fasting, praying, God, do something, do something. You know, Thursday. Thursday, Thursday, you know, Thursday, 5.30 in the morning. Whoa, this place is packed. Still Thursday. Awesome. You know, we're all praying. Everyone's just giving another crank to this thing. We're all just cranking on this, cranking on this prayer. Just going, God, do something, do something. Friday, we're praying all day long. Just praying, 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 praying. And then finally we just go, okay, God, go. And it's like, whoa. You know, and we just sit back and go, no way, look what just happened. You know, see, to me, that's what I get excited about. Going, man, I don't know where this thing's going to go. I just know, I just want to crank this thing and see what happens. I just want to pray and pray and pray and get everyone in the church just praying. And then we just sit back and say, God, what are you going to do? All just because we asked you. That's the way the great revival started. That's the way the book of Acts started. That's the way the church started. And that's what I want us to do as a church. That's the way I want 2007 to be, where we pray so much and then we just go, oh man, can you believe what just happened? Francis didn't make that happen. The elders didn't make that happen. It's just, it was our prayers. God did things that we can't explain. You know, Tim, who's uh, leading our, our worship today, um, how, how long have you been with the church now? Eight years. Eight years ago. Well, even that, even how you got here was crazy. Because his wife, Kristen, I was speaking at, at Biola University. And a little Chinese girl comes up and goes, Hi, you remember me? And I'm like, uh, I'm like oh, I don't know what, pick up sticks? Where, where were you? Uh, and, uh, and she goes, uh, 
she goes, I, Tim Hardy's wife, you know, and, and no, she doesn't really talk like that, I don't know why, I just, I like to tease her, but, uh, and I'm the only one that can do that, you know, <laughs> a white guy can't make fun of you, I can, and, uh, you know, and, 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 uh, and when she says Tim Hardy's wife, I'm like, no way, I was just praying about Tim Hardy, because we need a youth pastor, and I'm like, God, I'd love to find that guy, Tim Hardy, and then sure enough, this girl comes up to me. Hey, I'm Tim Hardy's wife. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I remember just pursuing Tim and, he, and, and uh, going, man, that's so crazy. I just prayed for that. And he came on and, and he, he was talking about, when you know, he came on the church as our youth pastor. And he says, you know, I, one thing I, I, that bugged him about the church, and he didn't express it to me so much, but the thing that bugged him about our church, he said, was that, we only cared about our community and we didn't think about the rest of the world. And he was totally right. But he didn't come into my office, complain, confront me or whatever else. He just, he told me, he just started praying for me. He just prayed for years for me that I would have a heart for the rest of the world, that I would care about the poor around the world. And I didn't know that. He was just quietly praying, praying, praying that I would care about people around the world. Would you say I care about people around the world now? Just a little bit, you, you know. And now it's like, would you shut up about the rest of the world, <laughs> you know? Uh, you know, and now he's our global ministry passing. Oh, Francis, would you slow down on this? Okay, slow down. Slow down. But, but to me, it's like, you know what? That's so cool. He didn't get irritated and just bugged that I would overlook the needs around the world. He just prayed. Prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. You know, as, as, as Tim and Kristen come up and lead us in worship right now, I, I want to turn you to one last passage. It's Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. He says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. You know, you can read the rest of the passage. Let me just focus on that. Therefore, brothers, since we, we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Because you understand something, you guys? We, we can have confidence to enter the Holy of Holies. We, we can. I have access to, to God. That, that should still be a miracle to us today. We should still go, are you serious? I can talk to God? Like, like God, the creator of the world. The one whom the Bible says dwells in unapproachable light. The one that, you know what, it's like I couldn't even look upon right now. I have the freedom. I can just confidently come before His throne and I can speak to Him. I can tell Him what's going on. I can praise Him when I'm happy. I, I can tell Him my concerns when it's... I can come before the most, the most holy place. Not a common place. Not just another friend. You have confidence to enter the most holy place. Why? He goes, because of the blood of Jesus. See, some of you in this room may go, well, I, 
Is God going to listen to me? It depends. Are you covered by the blood of Jesus? Because none of us are good enough to approach God and have Him actually listen to us. But the Bible says we can go with confidence. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. Why? Because 2,000 years ago, He had His Son die on this cross. He had His Son die on a cross paying for all of your crimes. And the Bible says if you believe that, if you believe He died on that cross and He rose from that grave, He did that for you. If you believe that He paid for your crimes, then you can come before God. Then you can, you can stand before God and, and, and actually talk to Him. You can confidently come before God knowing that He's not going to reject you. Even though you've done some terrible things in your life, He's not going to reject you. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. Because someone already paid for your crime, so you're not guilty anymore. And I can come before God and go, God, it's me, Francis, one of your children. I can call you dad. The Bible says I'm a friend of God. And I can come before that throne and speak to him, tell him whatever's on my mind. And maybe some of you, you, you've never uh, come to a point where you've actually accepted what Jesus did on that cross. And so you don't even know how to start praying. You don't even know how to start this relationship with God. And if you need some help with that, gosh, I'd love to pray with you tonight. We have some pastors, some elders, some, some leaders in the church that would pray with you. Maybe you want to get baptized tonight. Maybe you want to, you know, give your life to, to Jesus and say, you know what? I need to be forgiven. I want to have this relationship, this connection with God that you're talking about. I, I want prayer to be more than a ritual and a task. I want a relationship. You know, maybe you hear about me just talking about this prayer life. You hear about Tim and how we just talk to God and he just, he just does this stuff. And we're just amazed by him. And you want that type of life. And you want to get baptized. Say, you know what? I want that Jesus in my life. You can do that tonight. And so if that's you and you, you just, maybe some of you just need some prayer. Maybe some of you are sick and you want to call upon the elders of the church to pray for you. There'll be some of them here tonight up at the prayer room. But for the rest of us, you know, as we sing to God, man, we do it because of all the things that He's done for us. Okay? Let's, let's, let's not think of God as this impersonal God up there. We have confidence to come before His throne and just praise Him right now. He's going to hear your praises. And so don't do this if it's a ritual to you or if you're thinking you're earning something for yourself. Do this if you're in love with God and you just want to pray, pray to Him, talk to Him.